Welcome to Simply Christian, a podcast diving deep into the essentials of the Christian faith, heresies, and everything in between. I'm Isaac. And I'm John. Good morning. Dude. Dude. <laughs> I was just telling John how every time we start, I, I'll say like, dude. I'm like, I got to say something other than that. So I couldn't just... let you have all of that. I got to take that <laughs> yeah, this time. Yeah, it's my turn. My yeah. turn. Yeah. Well, good morning, John. Good morning, brother. How are you on this fine morning? I am doing excellent. Oh, how are you? Fantastic. Great. <laughs> <laughs> We're right. getting more and more polished. Yeah. We no, I don't know about yeah, that. I don't think yeah. so either. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, what is the topic of the hour? Well, we got one that is, I mean, it is central to the heart of scripture. Um, and I have to kind of brag on this episode and on our podcast because this is really essential to what our podcast is about as well, I guess, to the heart of something that God commands repeatedly in scripture, Jesus Christ tells us to do is have unity, um, being unified in um, our lives, our love for one another. May our unity just grow and grow and grow as the body of believers um, centered around this one risen King Jesus Christ. But the question is, how does the church remain unified even though we disagree about doctrine. And for you guys who have been listening to this podcast, this is really gets to the essence of kind of what we're about with this particular podcast is how can we navigate some of this bringing out a big heavy sword in certain circumstances where in other times maybe bringing out a little scalpel and doing a little bit of medical procedures, but all in all, things are good. Um, so we're going to get into some of that today. I want to start with a scripture, um, and this is right out of uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. Um, and if you look at verse 27, I'll read one verse there, then a little bit at chapter two. Um, so Philippians chapter one, verse 27, it says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then in chapter two, starting in verse two, make my joy complete, Paul says, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. So we get this recurring theme in scripture. How can we be unified, though, when we have all of these disagreements that we um, we obviously see in the worldwide body of believers, but also even in our own churches? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, man. And this is a really important question for a lot of people. Um, I know a lot of, um, a lot of, because of our culture and it, unity um, it is such a virtue, even outside of the church, you know, uh, it's seen as a virtue, like, hey, let's all get along. Let's all sing Kumbaya. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. let's all, basically all the whole world under one sort of big unity of, of mind. And that's actually not God's vision, unity for the sake of unity. Mm -hmm. It's God's vision for unity is something different. Amen. And that needs to be clarified. Yeah. That's what we'll do, hopefully, in yeah. this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely important. And I mean, just this is a question that the reformers had to deal with during the Reformation because the Catholic Church boasts in its unity. Mm. Um, and Protestants, because the nature of Protestantism, you know, with us having disagreements with the Catholic Church and actually having disagreements amongst each other, mm -hmm. this is a common objection that 
Roman Catholics have to Protestant believers is, well, you all, you have a bunch of different beliefs. How can you be one church, like one Protestant church, mm -hmm. if you guys disagree about things? And that's a, that's a valid question. Yes. So yes. it's, it's important on a number of levels, but we're not the first people to think through it, thankfully. Right. Praise God. Yes. And, and just something um, on what you said, where it's unity for the sake of unity. Um, similarly, the world will say faith for the sake of faith. You know, just mm. have faith. And there's no real object of the faith. It's just have faith, um, have unity, but there's no real object of the unity. What you're right. gathered around, it's just really unity for the sake of unity. And so we're going to argue in this episode um, really that the object of this is Christ Jesus, risen yes. from the dead, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Amen. Lord of lords. Um, he is the object of our faith, but he's also the object which uh, whom we unify around. Mm. Um, and so kind of leading us into some of this, um, speaking of Jesus, which we do often, um, just another another passage which can maybe set us off in this direction to, to tackle this, because just to make it crystal clear that God does command unity, um, John chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus is praying to his father and he prays this. He's, he prays that we may all be one, even as you, Father, and me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And so Jesus prays for a unity that he even has with his father. And he says, I want the church to be one, even as we are one, Father, this tight-knit unity. But then somebody will come along like a Roman Catholic, and the, the this, um, trajectory of this episode will be kind of how to deal with this. How, how can we be unified? What is, what is it that we're unified around if it's not 100% doctrinal conformity? Um, if I'm uh, having fellowship with a brother or a sister who believes in, you know, uh, you know for anything, for example, uh, end time stuff, you know, that's different than me. How can I call them my brother or sister if we're not one as Jesus and the Father are completely one in doctrine? So we're not one. How can I call them my brother or sister? Mm. Um, so what is it that we're unified around? Yeah, yeah, so I would argue that we are unified around the gospel. Or if you want to say it more specifically, Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and his his commands, his moral commands in the new covenant. I would say that's what Christianity that's that's what Christian unity is at its at its core. It's around Jesus mm -hmm. and who he is and what he says. Mm -hmm. I would say um, that's a lot different. And, and you gotta you gotta even be careful there because there are some like moral commands. When I say moral commands, there can even be some necessary explanation there. Or exceptions there because obviously when we're talking about like sexual sin for example um the new testament so clear on that the whole bible is so clear on what is sin sexually and what's not and basically it comes down to anything outside of uh, a husband and wife having sexual relations mm -hmm. it's a sin mm -hmm. even down to lust in your own heart mm -hmm. for someone else other than your, your than your spouse is sin mm -hmm. So the New Testament is super clear on that. And we actually went over that in a previous episode. So go check that out if you're interested. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that that's an example. But then other examples of like um, people disagreeing on cer are certain foods wrong or right? Um, is alcohol wrong or right? You know, these things, 
Um, I don't think that is necessarily where um, the unity is because that's not like a, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And if I could paint like a mental picture um, similar to the one kind of Paul paints in Ephesians when he says, um, you know, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And then on that, there's the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And we as the church are being built up on that to try to mirror that a little bit if we're talking doctrine um, and this deposit of faith that we are um, built upon. We have Jesus Christ again as the cornerstone, the apostolic teaching, and now you have these um, this strong, built, firm foundation. Now as the thousands of years of Christianity comes, we kind of build up off of that. We scaffold things up and we take biblical truths and now we apply them to our lives. Um, and what we're trying to do is how can we practically walk out our faith on a day-to-day level and build off of this foundation without going somewhere else for a foundation of truth. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to, you know, an example of baptism, you know, we have a, a brother or sister who believes in infant baptism. You and I, I think, would, would not be baptizing infants. Nope. I would sit and I would say, all right, to my brother, I would say, let's, let's study the word together because I think I'm right. And I'm going to go to scripture and then you, you're going to come to me, you know, R.C. Sproul. You got a whole host of strong um, believers who we believe are firmly in heaven um, because of their faith in Christ. But they believed in baptizing infants. I would say, all right, I'm going to try to teach you. And he's probably going to try to teach me as well. But at the end of the day, I'm going to ask him some questions. Are you building off the same foundation as me? Are you coming off of the same pillars of the faith? Because a way that... It could, he could give a wrong answer, and I would say, all right, you're not a brother, is if he were to come over and say, all right, well, my foundation is that baptism is salvific. Water saves you. It's the plunging or the sprinkling or the dousing of some sort of water. It's Jesus along with that and maybe some other hoops that you need to jump through. I'm going to look at that person and say, wait a second, you're not building off the same foundation as I am. Jesus Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the foundation of the apostolic teaching. You're not even building off of that. You're coming from another territory. I'm building off of this firm foundation here, which says it's Christ and Christ alone that saves you. Um, And so he could give a wrong answer. But there are ways that he could say, yeah, look, I don't believe baptism saves you. I just believe it's very, very important. You do too, John, Andrea. And I say, yes, I do. But I don't believe it saves you, he would say. And so at the end of the day, this person's building off the same foundation. Just maybe his scaffolding is going up in a little bit of a different direction than me. But I can understand that he's standing on the same solid ground of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the biblical teaching that I am. And I can look at that brother and say, amen, yeah. you're, you're in the faith. Mm, mm. And Lord willing, he would look at me in the same way, uh, which I believe most would. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. That That's good. And yeah, there's so many, I, I like that analogy of the, you have the same foundation, but you might be building like different scaffolding or different, you might have the same scaffolding, but different walls you're putting up. You might yeah. even get down to different paint color that you put inside <laughs> yeah. the house. Which we do. <laughs> yeah, we fought over that. I'm sure Which before, yeah. honestly, that's kind of like a good, um, a good like 3D picture of theological triage, almost mm-hmm. like first level issues to be the foundation. Second level issues might be the scaffolding. Mm-hmm. Third level issues might be the walls and Fourth would be like the paint, paint color. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna <laughs> fight we go, about man. that. Yeah, oh yeah. If any of you <laughs> listeners have ever painted your house and you're married, you will oh, fight. Yeah. Oh man, 
we have so many rooms in our house that are not painted yet because we have not been able to agree on a paint color. So yeah, yes. that's a mental picture for you right there. Yes, that's actually the room we're sitting in right now to record this episode. We we had to deal with that. That's, <laughs> yep. We eventually came to an agreement, surprisingly, but yeah, that's good. But at the end of the day, we agree. I want to live in a house that has a foundation and is not going to topple over on me. Right on. And so there's a solid thing that we can stand on. Well, we may disagree with some particulars about paint color. Yes. yes. Yep. Right on, man. That's yep. good. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So basically, premise is unity is not the same as uniformity. Mm-hmm. We can be unified in the gospel, but be have discontinuity or disunity in other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if if we just think about it, like if we take those teachings about having the same mind, it just at face value without like digging deeper into what that means, like where's the limit on that? Mm -hmm. Like, because there's so many things to have the same mind about. And if we have to agree on literally everything, Mm -hmm. no one has ever done that. Right, no, no. No one has ever done that. So we're in constant disobedience of this command. Mm -hmm. However, if you look at just the Philippians passage that you talked about, a lot of it is having the same like purpose, the same passion, same object of worship and love for one another. And like, it's that kind of unity because of Christ and for Christ's sake. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, it's all Christ-centered unity. Yeah. And so with with, um, so with some of this, you get, you talked about the Protestant problem of, you know, the things that a Roman Catholic might say, well, we don't have to deal with this. Um, or even the so-called Jehovah's Witnesses, I've talked to them and they have... Um, a similar thing where they're quoting some of these same passages and you say, all oh, you guys are different denominations. And the problem really comes from they have uh, a, a physical head on this earth. Um, Catholicism, obviously the Pope, the magisterium. Um, and so their unity is not really around Christ. It's around their earthly head. Right. They're, and so they're, they're ecclesiological or sorry uh, their church structure actually yeah <laughs> ecclesiological structure. i can't i don't even shouldn't even say that word because i can't pronounce it right now especially this early too yeah yeah <laughs> we'll just use the word church yeah they have the same church government and they have unified around the government yes the church yeah and I the, agree. Wi- the witnesses they have the watchtower um based out of brooklyn new york and so all of their unity is not around christ it's around a groups of group of people's interpretation to mitigate how everybody needs to believe on every yeah. single issue. Mm. Um, whereas we Protestants, yeah. we, in some ways, it seems like we have a problem because we don't have one person or one group of people saying, "Everybody, you believe here's your list, and here's how to interpret all these passages, and here's we're gonna all fit in a neat little package." But that unity isn't really around Christ; it's around a person or a group of people. Whereas mm. ours, we say our head. Our only head is Jesus Christ. Right. And so there is no mediator that we're looking to. We have removed all earthly authority and we're looking directly. We're going boldly into the Holy of Holies and saying, We're a kingdom of priests. Amen. Jesus is our high priest. We have direct access to the throne of glory because of Christ. Yes. You know? And so the the thing that we we look to um, is the word of God. And so with this, that leads us into, while it's a huge emphasis that we, we have to acknowledge and push toward is unity is a command in scripture we are not looking to clobber our brothers and sisters Um, we need to be one in christ be of the same mind same spirit um, one as jesus is with his father but there is this aspect which isn't even really a, a but it's it's all it's it's more of a continuation of it because there is a very real truth to the fact that we are not to be unified with 
the world. You see that command in Scripture as well. It's the command to be unified is believers. It's not yes. just be unified with everybody. In fact, Paul actually says, what fellowship does light, light have with darkness? Does Christ have with Belial? Mm-hmm. And so you have this differentiation, which I'd like you to speak on. Does that take away from unity or does that actually support it? Oh, it so supports it, man. Yeah. It so supports it. Because if as long as we're making the distinction that we're not, have, we're not pursuing unity for the sake of unity, but we're pursuing unity for the sake of Christ, mm-hmm. then that that then exclusivity being disunified with people who don't follow Christ is a, is a good thing mm-hmm. because unity for the sake of unity is an, is an idol. First of all, mm-hmm. doesn't lead you anywhere. It's not helpful at all. Unity for the sake of Christ honors him. It glorifies him. It shows him that he is worthy to be treasured above all other things. And if other people hate Christ, disagreeing that he is the most valuable thing, worshiping something else instead, whether that be someone else or an ideology or themselves, um, we need to have no part of that at all. That is darkness. That's the darkness Paul's talking about. Mm-hmm. Like unbelieving, unbelieving Christ, like not believing Christ is darkness because yeah. he's the light. If you reject the light, you have darkness. He's the only light. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have... Christians should have nothing to do with that. And that's actually a good thing because the goal isn't unity. The goal is Christ. Yeah. The goal is Christ. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. And the, the common axiom truth by definition is exclusive. Yes. We apply this all over the place. I mean, just if you get a room full of people and give them a math problem and, you know, five plus five is 10 and then you get someone else who says it's 12, you're not going to look at them and say, well, you're right too. It's no, there's one answer. There's a right or a wrong answer. Um, certain math equations might have a couple right answers, but at the end of the day, there's wrong answers. Yes. Um, but we also apply this with politics. I mean, you go to a, let's say you go to a, a, a Biden um, campaign thing and you look at them and say, well, it's, it's really the same thing. You vote for Trump or vote for Biden. They're going to be like, no, yeah. you, absolutely not. They're completely yeah. different, going in different directions. And you say, well, okay, so you're not about unity. They'd say, no, we're unified around Biden. You know, and we do this all over the place, so all yes. different subcategories in our lives. We too, as Christians, do that at the greatest level, where we are looking to be unified around the Creator of the universe, the one who died for our sins, the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. We're not going to be unified with anybody else. We're actually going to separate ourselves from the world and not love the world. Um, be in the world, but not of the world, as Christ says. In John 17, when he prays for unity, he also calls them multiple times his bride. He says they're in the world. I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I just don't want them to be of the world. Yes. Protect them. Um, yes. So unity absolutely supports, or ex- exclusivity um, absolutely is fundamental principle of unity, I would say. Yes, I yeah. completely yep. agree, man. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's cool. All right, so, um, so next we have a question that we'll get into some common more common objections later but this is a question that we kind of formulated to help us hopefully jump start um clear thinking on unity mm-hmm. so here's mm-hmm. the question if christians all have the holy spirit how come he doesn't lead all christians to the truth about each doctrine in scripture mm-hmm. didn't jesus say the holy spirit would lead us into all truth hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great question, um, and I want to hear your thoughts on it too. The only uh, just a couple of thoughts I would have, um, well, leaving some of it to you, just um, 
John chapter 15, um, Jesus says, referring to the Holy Spirit, uh, starting in verse 8, he says, and when he, referring again to the Holy Spirit, uh, comes, this is what he'll do. He said, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And he explains and starts fleshing that out concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So one of the things that G, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to do is he's going to draw people to repentance. He's going to point people to Jesus Christ, who he is, um, and he's going to convict people of their sin. Um, so concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Now where righteousness dwells is only in Jesus Christ. We're looking not in this world, but we're looking to Jesus Christ for our righteousness. Our righteousness is given from God. Um and then he says, and um, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And so the Holy Spirit is going to give a conviction of the fact that this this world, this system of things, Satan, uh, who uh, is king of the dominion of darkness, is judged. He has an end, and we see that wickedness does not win. Jesus Christ reigns now and forevermore. And so what we don't see in this, though, is... is Jesus saying the Holy Spirit is going to make you all, um, to use this word loosely, robots in the sense that we do and think completely the same in every aspect of life. That's not his purpose. His purpose is to accomplish a worldwide mission which points people to Jesus Christ and Christ alone and to proclaim the gospel to the world not to make it so that we're all moving and thinking and having the same uh, neurons firing in our brain at any, any given moment. Um, but will you speak on that more? Because you had talked about even yeah. the image of Christ. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically, it, it comes down to like, what's the main goal that God has, that God the Holy Spirit has for the Christian? Mm-hmm. And I think through the New Testament, it's pretty clear that the main goal of the Holy Spirit is to conform us to the image of Christ Mm. and to make, and and for the Holy Spirit to convict people, you know, to save people so that they can be made into the image of Christ. So it's, it's all about Christ and our conformity and unity with him. It's him as our object of worship. And as a, there's a quote by, uh, I forget the church father's name. It's either, Irenaeus or one of those guys. Anyways, they all, <laughs> after a while, <laughs> yeah, all blend, start blending together. Blend yeah, together. Yeah. Um, but he said, Christ became man so that man could become like Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's like beautiful. So you know, God became man so that man could become like God. Yeah. Like not in the sense of like being like him yeah. as in being a creator or whatever, but being like him, like morally speaking, sharing in his holiness. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah yeah so and I think that's that's an awesome quote first of all um but but basically that's the I that's the idea and that's not just something some church father said like I think this is all over scripture Romans 8 28 to 30 says we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So if this is the predestined plan of God, that his chosen people will be in the image of Christ, be made in the image of Christ, like that shows us like his main goal and his heart behind what Christians would be like. What that doesn't mean 
is that we'll have all of our doctrinal ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. We're not going to all believe the same things about every area because that doesn't equal conformity to the image of Christ. Yeah. It doesn't. It's a, more of a heart change. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't want to exclude <clears throat> doctrinal issues as helping you be made in the image of Christ. It absolutely is part of it. Um, I mean, you have to have the right view of Christ yeah. in order to be made into his image. Mm -hmm. You have to know who he is and, and what he's done. Um, so obviously that is key. And that's why we put like a level one issue, top of the line being Christ and his work on the cross. Mm -hmm. That's level one. Mm -hmm. There's obviously, obviously some nuances to understand what he did right. that we can think about and that aren't um, as, as, I mean, they're still essential to salvation, but it's not as essential to understand them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. in the same way. But, um, but yes. basically the, the main idea is that the Holy Spirit's goal is to make us like Jesus, not help us to understand every area of, of spiritual truth. And, and this just makes, I mean, this just makes sense because if like, if you use the argument, like the Holy Spirit's always going to lead you to the right conclusion. Mm. Well, how, how's that going to work? Like, does he do it all at one time? Mm. Does he do it over a period of 50 years? Mm -hmm. Because if he does it over a period of 50 years, well, that means that you're like, you're changing your views on things during that time. And another Christian's going to be changing their views on things during that time. And they might be different on the continuum somewhere. So mm -hmm. there's going to still be disagreement always gonna no be matter there. where you are. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we, we just know like, that's just not, not the main, the main, the main goal of, of the Holy Spirit in scripture. It's, it's not that we all have our doctrinal views. Yeah. Um, uh, exactly the same in every area, you know? That's right. Yep. And if you think even t on long term, like, because uh, I hadn't thought of this till now, but in heaven, I would imagine at least we're all going to be in agreement and I'll look at my um, brother who baptizes infants and I'll be like, ha, ah, I told you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know or, or, or maybe there'll be some things that um, we'll find out we're like, oh, wow, we were actually like, you know, way, both way off on that or something, you know, there, sure. it, it'll be interesting. But I think at, if, if we are to think ultimately what the Holy Spirit, if we are going to say the Holy Spirit's job is to make sure we all have our doctrinal ducks in a row, at the end goal, he'll accomplish that because in heaven, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more uniformity because we're right. going to be in an existence of no sin. Um, our minds right now have these like preconceived notions and, you know, depending on certain areas you've grown up in, you might, or certain church contexts, you, you, your brain kind of starts thinking about things in a certain way and, yeah. you know, but we're, we're not going to have sin in heaven. And so we'll probably be a little bit different. And so if, even if we were to say, all right, we'll acknowledge, yeah, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. And by all truth, we mean every single thing we all think the same about. It's just not happening here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It'll happen yeah, in heaven. Amen. Um, but the but the that's means good. by which we accomplish that is by coming to Jesus Christ, being conformed to his image, knowing him who actually define, calls himself the truth. Right. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit does lead us into all truth, leads us into all of Jesus. Yes. Um, yes. So that's coming good. to him. That's yeah. good. Yep. And just a, a word on the importance of unity in Christ. Jesus said that, the world will know you, believers, by your love for one another. Mm -hmm. So the way the world is going to know Jesus is by our, our love for one another. So 
It's not just love in general. And in order, obviously, to love each other, there's got to be some level of, of unity, right? Mm-hmm. There's a unity in, in Christ. And that unity that we have, the loving unity, um, that just displays the gospel to the world. It validates it to the world. Mm-hmm. And having doctrinal disagreements within that actually helps our cause. Here's what I mean. If you and I disagree about a ton of different things, maybe even down to politics, Mm -hmm. but we agree that Christ is Lord and he is the only hope for this world. And we embrace each other as brothers and choose to overlook those differences for the sake of um, the mission of of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And the world looks at that. They think that's crazy because they're like, well, they don't have unity like that. They don't have unity Mm -hmm. like that. They don't have like this one central thing that they can all have unity about other than maybe unity for the sake of unity, which falls apart immediately because mm-hmm. people disagree about so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they see that and they're like, wow, there must be like to love, like to sacrificially love each other that much. And, but they disagree about so many things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like how, how is that possible? You know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I don't know. It just makes sense, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jesus says in Matthew, I think it's five, where he says, uh, "You know, um, love your enemies." Uh, he says, "Even the world loves those who love them. Even the mm. world lends to those who expect to receive back." And so, if if Jesus's command to love each other is going to be that great of a testimony to the world, if we're all in agreement about every single thing always, and our minds are just completely unified, it'd be like. Oh, obviously they're going to love each other because they all think exactly alike about everything. So loving each other is actually really easy. Yeah. And the way I like demonstrate my love to my wife oftentimes is on the things that we, when we disagree and I'm like, all right, I still love you anyways, you know, or like, and I'm going to treat you well, even though we're fighting about paint color or picking a baby name <laughs> or something like that, you know, and I think Ooh, that the baby name thing, yeah, the baby name thing, that's, that's a uh, paint color, <clears throat> that's paint color times 20 yeah. <laughs> trying to pick a baby name. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I think like you said, it, having difference actually makes our love show that much more because it's like, all right, it's easy to love someone who you see everything eye to eye, perfect, right. do and think the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, so I think the, uh, what was the last thing we were going to do? Common objections. <laughs> go go <laughs> yeah. look at our outline. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we had a couple different common objections that we, we were thinking through. Um, why don't you take the first one? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the question is, doesn't Jude, um, the book of Jude talk about a faith that is once for all handed down to the saints. And so the question kind of embedded in that is, um, if Jude was talking about a faith that has been once for all handed down to the believers, wouldn't that include, um, how do we apply baptism? Wouldn't that include, how do we see end times? Wouldn't that include, um, you know, various things, um, all these particulars about how we see salvation and um, creation and all of these things. And I would say, absolutely, in a sense, um, Jesus Christ gives us, to go back to that analogy, um, a, a firm cornerstone on which a foundation was built. And so that is the once for all handed down um, faith that we are delivered. We have the Bible. 
But then there is differentiation of how to apply it sometimes, you know. And so to go back again, if 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 I'm um, looking to build a house with somebody and they start building a foundation and start building walls and structure, a roof and paint color across the block or on the other end of the city, I'm going to say we're not unified because you're way over there. You know, you might be trying to build a house that has a similar structure, similar feel, even the exact same layout, but it's built way over there. My foundation is right here. And so the faith that Jude is talking about isn't all of the particulars, all of these things that we have gotten to today where we are scaffolding up, we're looking. There is a right or a wrong answer, not to say that, but at the end of the day, we're all building off of the same foundation. And so, amen. Once for all, faith handed down to the saints, that's our foundation that we're building on. Yeah, I completely agree with you, John. And the other thing that's just interesting is he, Jude says that at the beginning of his letter, and he says, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. So he's about to explain like what it is we need to be contending for. Mm-hmm. And if you read the book of Jude, it's the lordship of Christ and his authority and judgment and salvation through him. Yeah. That's, that's what he's contending for. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of tells me that's what he has on his mind, not like all these intricate things that we need to understand immediately. Because can you imagine that? Like if, if we had to believe, like when I think about Roman Catholicism, I know we've been talking about it a lot, but (laughs) we're doing an episode on that. Yeah, we're definitely (laughs) going to do an episode on that, but there's so much to it. Mm -hmm. There's so much to it. Like, Mm -hmm. like, all these like different councils and stuff that are like were approved by the Pope and therefore like they are like they're like canonized doctrine. They are um, dogma now, yeah. as I say. Yeah. Like, can you imagine having to learn all the commands of Scripture plus all these other things that the Church says is just as binding? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. man, that would be so such a headache to have to yes. to sort through so much, you know, and it's just so complex. But it's not simply Christian. <laughs> yeah. It's, not, it's yeah. not simple. And of course, there's complex things to Christianity, no doubt. But like, man, that I'm so glad that that that's, Roman Catholicism is not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. man, that would be yep. that would be so messy. Yes. Yes. But, yep. Um, and how about this one? I mean, uh, isn't the end goal of kind of what we're saying? universalism someone might ask um basically saying well if if um it's okay that somebody disagrees about baptism what's to say that it's not okay that somebody disagrees about you know jesus christ and maybe it's he didn't die and at the end of the day the truth doesn't so much matter are you guys opening the door a crack when you can't really stop it from opening all the way and the flood of universalism just rolling Mm. out from there it's a good question so i would point back to what we said about unity not being for the sake of unity. I mean, I don't I don't like the idea of every human being unified for the sake of being unified. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's not going to help anything. Mm-hmm. That's just a lie cuz we're not all actually unified. Um we would be unified on Christ as Christians. So Christ is the goal here. 
So if you don't have Christ, if you reject Christ, you are excluded from mm-hmm. this. And that's, and I'm okay with that. That's what God says. That's how God wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense because if you're rejecting your creator, Jesus, then it makes sense that you would be excluded from sharing in his glory. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, universal Universalism is not the natural end because it stops with Christ. Christ is the, the line. And if you cross the line into belief, then you're included in this unity that we have in him. If, you, if you're on the other side, if you stay on the other side of unbelief, then you're disunified and there's separation. Universalism is not at all mm-hmm. on, on the table here. Yep, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Amen. But, but to, to put a universal aspect to it, um, not universalism, but universal mm-hmm. aspect. Uh, Colossians and Ephesians talk about all things, like all things summing up in Christ and yeah. Christ reconciling the world to himself. So we do have the picture of one day when Christ returns and he resurrects all of his people and he recreates the earth, the new heavens and new earth, um, and restores everything and, and makes it better than it was before the fall. Man, mm. like that is, that's a universal salvation right there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of all of his people and then the whole universe physically being like restored from its curse of sin. Yeah. Like, man, yeah. that's awesome. But uh-huh. if you, as a human being, reject Christ as Lord, then you are not included in that resurrection. Mm-hmm. You will not share in the resurrection of the saints. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, we definitely don't believe in universalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, I think that's all for today's episode. Consider subscribing for more Simply Christian content and until next time. Bye.